Hey there, MuggleCast listeners. I am back to inform you of some excellent news. GoDaddy.com is having better deals than ever. For only $3.59 a month for 12 months, you can get GoDaddy.com's Economy Package. And with 250 gigs of bandwidth, 5 gigs of storage, and up to 500 email accounts, you can get your own website up and running with success. And as usual, enter code MUGGLE, that's M-U-G-G-L-E, when you check out. Save an additional 10% on any order. Some restrictions apply. See site for details. Get your piece of the internet at GoDaddy.com. Today's MuggleNet podcast is brought to you by Borders. In May, thousands of Harry Potter fans descended upon New Orleans for the Phoenix Rising Conference. Borders was there to take in the sights and share a lively discussion of the series that has bewitched the world with some of Harry's most dedicated fans. Listen in to watch the action yourself. Check out the Phoenix Rising Borders book club discussion at BordersMedia.com slash Harry Potter or click on the Borders banner at the top of the MuggleNet page. This week's show is brought to you by Audible.com, the Internet's leading provider of spoken word entertainment. Get a free audiobook download of your choice when you sign up today. Log on to Audible.com slash MuggleCast today for details. Because we will announce our plans for the release of Harry Potter and the Deathly Hallows next week, this is MuggleCast episode 96 for June 24th, 2007. Alright, well, uh, Jamie. Yes. We're back. We are back. And uh, Greg Porter's back this week. Hello. Greg, it's been a while. Yeah, it has. I've been having fun promoting uh, your website, zaylerstudios.com, on the podcast. That's Relax Backwards Studios.com. That it is. Hey, <laughs> Greg, wasn't I the first person to give you a uh, reference for that website? Yeah, someone yeah. Someone mentioned it a few weeks ago, and. Uh, I just remembered that. I thought that was quite good. I think I called it a web, web design palace. I believe you is. did, yeah. It might actually still be on the website. Good. Yeah. Because that's what it is, a web design palace. So go to zaylastudios.com for your all, your all your web design needs. That's relaxbackwardsstudios.com. You know what the funny thing about that testimonial that you gave me is yeah. that originally I asked Emerson to do it, but he refused, and then you were my uh, oh. you were my other guy to do that. I was your backup. I was your backup choice. You were. Right, well, I take it all back now. <laughs> all right, uh, things will definitely be awkward now for the next hour. Thanks uh, for bringing that up, Maybe Greg. I should have mentioned that. <laughs> and I'm not back this week. I'm just here, I guess. Oh, Micah's here, too. Forgot about that. Thanks. Hey, Micah. Hey, Andrew. The show hasn't started off that well, has it? It's sort of... I think it's been just fine. Yeah, but Greg tagged me up. I'm a backup. You <laughs> thinking that Micah wasn't here last week. <laughs> well, I have one more complaint to add to this intro oh, real wow. quick. Uh, I'm not very impressed with how Jamie keeps uh, my room clean. Not very happy about it. Well, yeah. but we'll get to that in a well, second. Well, that's fair I'm enough, Andrew, because, you know, I'm Jamie Lawrence. I'm Micah Tannebaum. I'm Greg Porter.
Micah Tannenbaum is in the MuggleCast News Center with the past week's top Harry Potter news stories. Hey, Micah. Thanks, Andrew. Reports circulated online earlier this week saying that a hacker allegedly broke into a computer at Bloomsbury Publishing Place in London and managed to obtain a digital version of Harry Potter and the Deathly Hollows. The hacker subsequently posted what he says are key plot details from the book on the Internet. Bloomsbury has told us that there is so much material on the internet at the moment that people claim is from Harry Potter and the Deathly Hollows, but anyone can post anything on the internet, and we're not confirming or denying these rumors. Well, that's reassuring. In a press release Thursday, Walmart announced its plans regarding the release of Harry Potter and the Deathly Hollows. All of Walmart's 24-hour stores will be holding celebrations on July 20th, which will include trivia challenges and giveaways. Senior Vice President Andy Barron commented on the release, saying Harry Potter book release weekends are very exciting for fans, and we expect the July 20th weekend to make literary history. We are committed to the best price and plenty of copies, and want to create a purchase experience our customers will enjoy and remember that weekend. On to movie news, the London radio station Capital 95.8 is reporting auditions will be held for two roles in Harry Potter and the Half-Blood Prince. The producers of the sixth Potter film are looking for two young actors between the ages of 15 and 18 from the UK or Ireland to play Lavender Brown and young Tom Riddle. Auditions for Lavender will be held on Sunday, July 1st, while auditions for Tom will be held on Sunday, July 8th at the Earl's Court Exhibition Center in London. Harry Potter and the Half-Blood Prince is scheduled to be released in the United States on November 21st, 2008. And a trailer for the IMAX version of the Order of the Phoenix movie has been posted on IMAX.com. The trailer looks fantastic and contains some new shots from the film. The official Order of the Phoenix press junket was held late last week, and it was noted that in the original draft of the screenplay for Order of the Phoenix, they had decided to remove a character from the story. Rowling read over the screenplay and said, I wouldn't do that if I were you, that they were free to do whatever they liked, of course, but, quote, if you made a seventh movie, you'll have tied your hands, end quote. Speculation is bound on what person or creature no pun intended, was critical to the seventh film. We'll have a full report from the junket up early this week. And tomorrow, Sunrise, a morning television breakfast show, will broadcast a story about the upcoming Harry Potter movie, with the official website quoting, we go one-on-one with the stars from the latest Harry Potter installment. The show airs from 6 to 9 a.m. on Channel 7 in Australia. Plus, there are loads of new interviews with actors from the fifth movie available on MuggleNet.com. Finally, J.K. Rowling has updated her site, indicating that the final Wombat results are in the post. This means that we will find out how well we did on the third and final Wombat very soon. That's all the news for this June 24th, 2007 edition of MuggleCast. Back to the show. Okay, thank you, Micah. Yeah. Whoa. Micah, it's been a slow news week. Uh, yeah, it has. Just a little bit. Not as, uh, not as crazy as last week, that's for sure. Then again, it's only Tuesday, so uh, if something breaks later this week... Uh, it's been a slow half week. Trouble. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's been a slow two days. It's been a slow Tuesday. But it's a slow Tuesday. Andrew, Andrew, going back to the... Uh, actually, two points. You just said a slow Tuesday. Why does everyone pick Tuesday as the slow day? Because today's Tuesday. No, 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 but everyone does it. Like, I once read a Chuck Norris quote that said that he calls something something a slow Tuesday. Tuesday just seems to be a slow day in general because everyone picks it for their slow anecdotes. Because maybe it goes with slow Tuesday. I don't know. Oh, that's pretty good, actually. Yeah, that's definitely it. <laughs> I don't know. Well, it's, but, it's uh, Tuesday. Moving on. It's not Monday. It's not Wednesday, even. Wednesday is a bit more fun than Tuesday. What do you do on Tuesdays? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, you're right, because Monday is the start of a week, and anything can happen in a week. But by Tuesday, you realize, no, it's just my boring, sad old life again. And that's when hey, you get hey, depressed. Hey, 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 
I actually get to work from home on Tuesdays, so for me, it goes by a lot I, faster. Well, the, and I used to have Web Club you. on Tuesdays. Well, that's so that the would exception be an to the day. rule, I think. I think that's the exception to the rule. For those of well, us with uh, boring and, lives, you know. And Wednesday is Hump Day, so like it's, it's the middle of the week. I'm so sorry, it's hump what day? day. <laughs> hump Day. It's called Hump Day. I'm. I, yes. I won't lie. I don't think I've ever heard that before. Is that just a, Hump Day, the middle American of the week, thing, because it's hard to get up the hump. But then by okay, Wednesday, Andrew, it goes now, down. Qu- no, I'm being serious. I'm being serious. Get your mind out of the gutter. You go down the hill out of the at the second half of the week. When you're talking it's like this, day. Oh, but, it's, but it's Hump Day. Obviously, I mean, is this G-rated enough for this show? Yeah, we have to keep the show G-rated. This is a uh, family podcast. Andrew. <laughs> Kids, it's hump yes. like a camel. Hump like a camel. Exactly. Yeah. That's what I meant. Yeah, just, some of us are lying in the gutter. Actually, okay. no, I screwed that up. All of us are lying in the gutter, but some of us are looking at the stars. I don't know what that's from. It's it's a quote. It's a quote. Everyone, it's the standard AIM profile quote, you know, that, ev- <laughs> oh, okay. that everyone's had at one point uh, in, in, in their life. I think I might have it now, actually, so... Uh, it's actually a pretty r- weird uh, recording setup we have because Jamie's actually here, but he's in my basement because we couldn't find the headphone splitter. <laughs> yeah, so uh, I was banished to the uh, netherworld, and it's freezing I- down here. I'm about to, uh, I'm about to freeze if I go halfway through. I think we're gonna start a cucumber pack in order to raise enough money <laughs> to get a real studio. Yeah. That would be fun. <laughs> That's awesome. And then from vegetables, we go on to fruits and then to meat. and uh, so, uh, so we just do an entire kitchen. Strawberry pack. Mm. Exactly. Strawberry pack. That's going to be a good one. <laughs> oh, Greg. Okay, well, uh, yeah, back to what we were saying. It was what, a slow news we week. Saying? Oh, yeah, that's what we were saying. Something about it, news, yeah. and then got to hump day, and then, I don't know, whatever. Uh, Jamie, it's, uh, I mean, everyone, it's, it's been a pretty uh, slow news week. But there was one thing that came out. Right before we released episode 95, Hell Froze Over. Um, Order of the Phoenix soundtrack samples. All 18 songs were released in small little previews. There's a 30-second thir- clip of each on a website called Soundtrack.net. Warner Brothers, of course, gave uh, Soundtrack.net this preview. And it's a great sneak peek because not only does it give you clips, but Soundtrack.net listened to each one very carefully and basically reviewed each preview. Um, so, do you guys want to go over a couple of the songs well, that we thought were pretty interesting? The one I wanted to talk about specifically was 12, The Death of Sirius, which I thought was, it combines sort of, and I'm going to sound ridiculous here, but it, it, it combines sort of Star Wars and Lord of the Rings and hype them up into one big thing. And I was reminded of um, The Fellowship of the Ring when uh, Frodo was running away from the Nazgul and he jumped onto the boat. Uh, and then sailed away to the Prancing Pony Inn, and it was very, it was very. I don't, I don't know because I always pictured that scene as being silent because you know, Sirius falls down, you hear him scream, and that's it. And then Harry starts screaming, so it's going to be weird to see that to music. But I think it's a really good piece of mu- music, and it's going to build up, you know. Um, and I can hear everyone listening to it now. <laughs> it sounds like this, right? Yes. Yeah, that's it. Okay. Yeah, we're uh, playing it right now, as everyone can hear. So, yeah, that was a good one. My favorite one, though, uh, most different. It was strange. It was it was weird. I can't picture it for Harry Potter. Uh, but this is just what, you know, this is what, uh, I forgot his name. This is what Nicholas Hooper is, is creating with this new soundtrack, this this new fresh mix on Harry Potter, and I really like it. And, uh, the first song, Fireworks, which I assume is when Fred and George start causing trouble. 
the sound very, very good. I love, yeah, I love that guitar in there. Yeah, it's got a guitar. Dude, that's Have you ever <laughs> heard a Harry Potter song with a guitar in it? No, Besides our, awesome. our intro. <laughs> <laughs> it, it's very upbeat. So It is. You know, I like it. What I was kind of wondering, though, is that when the drums sort of get louder and louder, are those the, the proclamations that start to smash? Maybe. Yeah, that's a good point. I didn't even think of that. We're playing it right now, but yeah. Um, it's it's a great song. I really like it. And I always thought maybe we should steal it and use it for MuggleCast. <laughs> now, that would be good. It, it does. I think it fits with the rest of the show. What? The Wizany and our beat, and we have a guitar player, you know, and we're Whoa, all, we're all yeah. seen. And I, yeah, 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 let's do that. I like exactly. it. Exactly. It is and a really then, nice piece of music, though. It really is. It is. And I'm very impressed with Nicholas Hooper now. I mean, this is some good stuff he's got on this uh, album here. There's one other one uh, that I wanted to talk about. All these really encompass the theme of the novel and the movie, but this is a Umbridge's theme. So it's sort of like this little like waltzy. It is very, sort of, yeah, you know, it's very sickly sweet. You know, See, yes. it is. It is very sickly sweet. Pompum circumstancy. Yeah, and I could just picture her walking down one of the corridors with that with this music playing in the background, with her frilly collar going everywhere, and with that and ungodly smile she has in the trailer. Yeah, exactly, <laughs> exactly. Um, and then what other ones? Oh, the sacking of Trelawney. I love. I could just picture her walking out of the school with this music. So good, extremely subdued. Yeah, though. it's so slow and so depressing. Yeah. I wonder if I that. I wonder if that marks like a turning point in the film, where you know before then it's more upbeat, and then after Pretty that, fast. yeah, yeah, it's it's just, just, it really slows down. I was thinking maybe she's walking out of the school really slow, because I mean that's really she could slow. Be, yeah, it is very slow, <laughs> very slow. Yeah. Uh, let's see what else do we have here. We have we have the kiss. You want guys want to hear the kiss music? <laughs> oh, man. No. <laughs> it's very Snow Whitey, you know. Yeah, I was very... just gonna say it sounds Disney-like. It is very Disney-like. It is, I guess, because it's magical, because it's the, their first kiss. But it, it isn't. A, I mean, it's a very special scene, but it isn't a magical scene because it isn't as though Harry then proposes to her and they dance off into the sunset holding hands. It's, uh, you know, it's just an exploration of their, of who, who they are more than anything. You know, it, it, it isn't. Um, it isn't like a big, big, big thing, in. Right. series as a whole and I'm sure that you could argue that yeah it, it teaches Harry the importance of love and friendship and all that kind of thing but it, it is just a kiss when it, when it comes down to it 
Yeah. I and sounded then so heartless then, but... No, yeah. that was nice. That was nice. Good good explanation. Oh, thank you very much. And then there is the Journey to Hogwarts, which is basically like Hedwig's theme remixed. It's pretty good. triumphant it is Hagrid's Hagrid's Hedwig's theme (laughs) the entire sort of score although it's very sort of you know energetic and powerful it's very subdued as well which could be sort of the theme of the movie as well you know there's deaths in this one just like in the the, uh, last movie but you know this one sort of marks a change in the Harry Potter books as a whole and that it all, all goes downhill from here kind of yeah, that's a good. That's a good point. In the article on Soundtrack.net, it says, and this was my favorite part of that song. Another story. It's called uh, "The Horns Never Get to Finish." Instead, it transitions into piano and some distant atmosphere. So it's sort of like the song never finishes. Hedwig theme. That do 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 do. So you mean like Hedwig's theme will continue forevermore, which is probably a nod to John Williams as well as the Harry Potter. Um, yeah. You know. Yeah, if if we want to look well. at it that deep, <laughs> but well, I well, well, that's what we do here. It is. I do enjoy the way they reuse music in these movies. Yeah, definitely. Kind of yeah. ties them together. Well, they have to have Hedwig's theme. I mean, that's that's a given. Yeah, it's a staple you, you part of the score. Yeah. Everything else seems pretty original. Of course, you can go on MuggleNet.com and find the story there on the front page, uh, and also in the Order of the Phoenix section of the website. Overall, a great great preview. I don't think we've gotten this from uh, Warner Brothers in the past. I know AOL hosted a music party, Indeed. listening party. Uh, maybe there will be something like that. But overall, Nicholas Hooper, I'm liking Thumbs him. up, definitely. Thumbs up to Nick Hooper. Hoopy. All right, so moving on now, uh, we have a couple announcements. We want to remind everyone to vote for us at Podcast Alley. It's been going very well over there. Uh, also, uh, Jamie. Yes. Micah, myself, and I, and Ben. Mike and myself and I. That didn't make sense. Andrew's coming Jamie. twice to this thing. <laughs> <laughs> Jamie, you, me, Micah, and Ben will be, will be at Enlightening 2007, July 12th to the 15th. And we're going to be will. doing a little uh, lesson on podcasting, right? Uh, yeah, we will. I'm not quite sure what I'm going to teach just yet, but uh, I'll work on it before then, and then uh, hopefully I can give some type of uh, You can teach how to, uh, to come up with all your jokes that you... Yeah, well, well, uh, for that, you need to bring a computer and you have to have Google well, up don't and tell ready. People and then, now. Then we'll don't tell people there. now. No, I'm not telling them. Uh, now Micah, they come. Micah, no, 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 no. You think that it's just a case of bringing up Google and typing in, but it's not. There's, there, there's, uh, there's a distinct sort of step-by-step way of finding the best ones. There are certain sites you avoid, certain sites you go to, certain oh. uh, Boolean searches you use on Google. You know, it isn't just a case of typing it in. Oh. What do you think I am? Huh. <laughs> Makes sense. Makes sense. I guess we got the wrong impression from Jamie. I just assumed he typed in funny jokes. and well, It's probably that, that yeah. All, yeah. That I mean, it's about that. But but then also at Enlightening 2007 in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, at the University of Pennsylvania, uh, there will be Premiere Fest, where we will be doing a live podcast, and it's also going to be featuring some wizard rock bands, including the Moaning Myrtles, the Hungarian Horn Tales, sorry, DJ Luna Lovegood, and the Cedric Diggeries. 
Plus, there's going to be lots more going on there. There's going to be fan fiction reading, fan art, stuff like that. Premiere Fest was, it is on July 13th. It's going to be an evening live podcast. It was, uh, it was, Premiere Fest was called Premiere Fest because that was the night the movie is released. Uh, but, of course, the movie release date <laughs> was changed, so <laughs> that sort of uh, fell through. So, uh, there's still going to be a lot going on at Premiere Fest. It's going to be a great time. We will be there. We'll be hanging out with everyone. So, so we'll be there. That. It's going to be absolutely awesome. We're going to have a great time. Right. For more information, go to enlightening2007.org. You can bu- purchase Premiere Fest tickets if you are not already going to Enlightening 2007. Uh, the cost is pretty cheap, so we will see you there. Also, another big convention, Jamie Prophecy. And this will be the convention to end all conventions, I'm told. It, it, it really is the one to end all conventions, because it is, um, it's going to be huge. And I mean, Ben's been on this book tour. Greg, you have a little story about that. But uh, Ben's been on this book tour, and he says every place he goes to, people there's people going prophecy, to Prophecy. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, unbelievable. Uh, so that is a huge convention going on August second. There are to more. The 5th. There are more people going to Prophecy than are on MySpace right now, and that is a lot. I of didn't know that. Is that yeah. true? <laughs> yep. There are 180 million signups for Prophecy in MySpace. Is <laughs> only like 160 million. So all going to the Sheraton in Toronto. <laughs> yeah, it's going to be. A, well, it's going to be a bit of a squeeze, but we're all friends. You know, Harry Potter fans are all friends. We'll yeah. be able to do it easily. It's fine. Yeah, yeah, we're all, we're all tight. No pun intended. So uh, our, our, the live podcast there, along with our friends at Leaky and Pottercast, will be on uh, Saturday at 12 a.m. <laughs> so technically it's Friday night. It's going to be a midnight podcast, which is pretty cool. Uh, it'll be dark. And No, be really? <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Sorry, and zing. Zing. And uh, that one will be a lot of fun as well. Also, we're working on a couple more live shows. By a couple, I mean a few. By a few, I mean many, <laughs> many, <laughs> and uh, we will. We are finalizing details right now, and we hope to announce that soon. Let's put it this way: Well, actually, I was going to say it's not on the West Coast, but it is on the West Coast. We're going to be hitting up many locations in the United States. We are. If this w- all works out, it's almost all finalized. Uh, hopefully, we will have more details next week on episode ninety-seven. So look forward to that. If you're anywhere in the U.S., uh, definitely plan to be seeing us in late July. I'll say that. Okay. And And also, also, uh, oh, as for the book release, we're not so sure about that yet, right, Micah? (laughs) Yeah, we're still still working some things out, but um, it seems like three places are probably the best uh, shot for us, right? Yeah, we're looking at three places right now. We can't reveal the locations. Well, I'm going to give away well, it's one. it's not Antarctica. I'm oh, going to give well. away one. Well, it could be. We, could, we we do need to do one from there at some point. Yeah, the penguins uh, feel neglected, so... <laughs> <laughs> I'll give away one. We are considering a live show. All right. Jamie, uh, you, you, go ahead. You tell the people. I will... With, we're considering two main locations. Uh, it's a throw-up between uh, Congo and the former Yugoslav Republic of Macedonia. All right. Well, we picked those two locations because they're very central to where our audiences are. There's a big focus of listeners in those two areas. Yep. And it's, it's a nice place to do a podcast. Both are, we, in fact. Both are. So it, it's a tough call for which one we're going to do for the main yeah, podcast. Yeah, we use the... We used the pickle pack money to fly out there and scout out locations, yep. and we found a few. And so we're working on that. Hopefully next week uh, we'll know more. There are a couple other locations, but we're leaning yeah. towards Congo and, and um, <laughs> Slavia. One was yeah, and we bought um, 
using the pickle pack money again a lovely sort of uh, villa there complete with five swimming pools so after the podcast you can all come and hang out there with us and we'll party it up into the night uh, you have to pay for a cucumber yeah. pack first yeah you do have to pay for cucumber pack and and a grape pack grape pack yes, yes I like that one <laughs> and what was the one you had Greg strawberry pack <laughs> oh what was it pastrami pack oh pastrami <laughs> pack <laughs> pastrami pack uh, yeah and the uh, eventually we'll have a whole sandwich oh, yeah we will <laughs> filet mignon pack that's going to be the platinum plus oh one. that's delicious collect be... all ten <laughs> yeah Guys, why don't we make fun of ourselves? I know. Why do we make fun of ourselves? I don't think we should be doing this. This gets me down. Oh, and then uh, also episode 100 is creeping up very soon. I think it's just going to be an all-around party. Yeah. All day. Here, what should we... Should we set up a poll? No. What should we do? I think we should do something where, like, we send... We ask people to email in their favorite moments from the show and read them? Or their favorite... No, no, no. Reenact them. See if they're better the second time around. We should reenact them? Yeah. <laughs> okay, should we do that? Well, yeah, I don't mind. I mean, it probably isn't the best idea, because it won't be funny, but... Cause, you know, things, well, it's not going to be <laughs> funny, I mean. Things aren't as funny the second time around, probably. But yeah. we, we could try it. Or we could just do a poll where people send in their uh, thoughts of what they want us to do for to episode do for 100. Because, uh, well, no, well, no, just for episode well, people 100. Well, we, we already told people to email. I knew that. that. I did know Nobody that. Really I gave, just, uh, just nobody really them. gave any good ideas, though, that really stood out. So. They really... I was just like, oh, forget it. Okay, well, we could keep that open a bit longer, and we could set up a poll listing a few ideas, and people could vote for the one, because, you know, it should be a very special one, 100. Centenary. Yeah. Yeah. So we have been getting ideas. Keep them coming. And I'm sure we'll, we'll do, we'll all get sentimental, and we'll all be uh, hugging. Yes, we will be hugging. Stuff. E-hugging. E-hugging. We, we will it's be hugging, hugging, yeah, yeah. It's going to be a sentimental moment. Yeah. Actually, a few of us will be together when episode 100 occurs, so we'll all be personal actually hugging each other so anyway let's move on to rebuttals this week uh first one quick one from Lindsay, 16 in new jersey note i did not pull this one i out. did oh mike did so can't blame oh, you for oh there's a east coast east coast power. corruption yeah, favoritism yeah. Yeah. wow uh, it, it reads, I just noticed this today. If you look out the window on J.K. Rowling's website, it looks like the town that Harry, Ron, and Hermione are flying over in the deluxe cover. Um, interesting. Does it? Or because I'm I don't think it, it really. It sort of does. A couple people Michael, said what do you that. Think? Um. Oh. I don't know. It's it's a little too hard to tell. I can't really see much from what she has there. I always thought those red things were flowers that were growing outside, but that shows you <laughs> how opposed, much I know. As opposed to houses. They do look similar, Mike. I can understand. Yeah, right, don't you? Know, you thought they were flowers. What I'd say about this is it. that um, it could be because, you know, Joe loves double entendres, you know, that thing, something that means one thing, but in, in other words can mean something else. So she'd, I think she'd go in for that, you know, two pictures, one here slightly turned around, one on the cover, and then it's up to us to realize that... Um, you know the significance and what they mean together if yeah. they mean anything unless it's just a red herring and this oh and also uh last time i was on the show or a couple of times before i said uh quite blatantly that there were no towns or villages in england that looked like that cover and i'd now like to apologize in the strongest sense because i got a lot of uh e- emails saying that there were especially in scotland so <laughs> it shows what a big fan i have my i am of my uh, own country but um I think it's a very good point, and it could be important. It's just up to us to figure out, you know, everyone, just to figure out what it could mean. 
Yeah, it w- it would be pretty cool if J.K. Rowling did throw in a little. It something would. Like it that. really would. Yeah. However, it was it was Mary Grant Prix who came up with this artwork to begin with. So, unless she did, J.K. Rowling did come up with that setting in her mind, then put it on her website, then told Mary Grant Prix to. Well, I'm sure Mary's been that. on the website know. too. Well, yeah. <laughs> Mary Grant Prix was like, "Hmm, how am I gonna draw this?" Oh, look yeah, they write these books again. I can't remember. They don't look like flowers at all. <laughs> Actually, they kind of do to me. I, I it depends how you look at it, I guess. I don't know. Yeah. Well, they definitely are houses because at night they light up. That's so. true. <laughs> no, they could just be fake flowers with LEDs and light or up. something. Yeah. Good point. Yeah. Good point. It looks like there's Greg, a church there, though. I don't know. I, I think it's... I mean, how much planning is J.K. Rowling really put into that? Uh, of her website as opposed to with her book covers. I mean, it just seems like a fan noticing things too much. Right. Happens a lot. Yeah. Well, thanks anyway, Lindsay, so. for the. Well, thank thank you, Lindsay, for the feedback. That's my uh, person. That's my personal. Uh, no conclusion. <laughs> and Greg, <laughs> that's what we're here for. So well done. <laughs> I like it very much. The next rebuttal comes from Will Stone, twelve of Gastonia, North Carolina. He writes, "Hey, MuggleCast, love the show more than any other podcast." Oh, well, thank you. Thank you. To tell the truth, I really thought all podcasts were really boring, but then came your show, and that changed my philosophy. Well, thank you again. However, I would recommend... uh, Never mind. So anyway, I was reading back over Order of the Phoenix and read what Bellatrix said to Voldemort when he appeared in the Ministry. She said, I was fighting the Animagus Black Master. You should know. He is here. He is below. My question slash theory is, does Bellatrix know something about the Veil that we don't? that's brilliant. Could Sirius still be alive? This has probably been... Asked, uh, this has probably been asked before, but I haven't heard it, so... That's a really Thanks. good point, because, I mean, when I first read that, I thought he, she meant he's below, as in he is down on the level, you know, that is below the atrium, the one that they're on now. But I I guess below could be a synonym for the, you know... Um, sorry, a metaphor for, like, the other world, the netherworld, where where Sirius is, is now. But I'm not too sure if it means that he could be alive. It could just be that he, as in, you know, what he stands for, is is in the other world. So he could be dead and still in the other world, rather than alive in there. But he could be alive. That well, so, mean- the, so the veil take if we were to believe Will's uh, theory here, that would mean that the veil takes you somewhere below, underground. No, 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 no. Or could it be a secret level of the No, ministry? no, no. I think by below, he means that below, as in you know, two different things, one world and then a second world. Not that the veil is a transporter to take you in this world, um, you know, to a different place lower underground, but he, oh. he is below our our world. Like if you were talking about in Lord of the Rings, uh, if, if, you, if you were talking about uh, people who are in the Ringwraith world and you just said that they're there, by there you just mean, you know, in a different... Okay, that doesn't make sense, but by this uh, thing you could mean that they're in a different place to where you are now. So, you know, and if two people understand that reference, then it doesn't have to mean what everyone else takes it to mean. Right. And Joe loves these, you know, double meanings, so I think it's a really good theory. Well, that's what I was thinking. It sort of relates to the prophecy, because wasn't there one line we were talking about that it might have a double meaning? Yeah, we were talking about um, when the prophecy, the line that says, the one with the power to vanquish the Dark Lord approaches, and at that moment Snape was walking towards the room. So mm. approaches means oh you know his birth was uh, coming imminent, and it could also mean that you know someone was walking towards where the prophecy was being made. Now, I think that is one of the best things I've ever heard in my life that, ever. That is very good. That is very good. I wake up every morning just to hear that. Go on. 
<laughs> okay, yeah, the next rebuttal, and Greg, you can feel free. If, I know you might not have any ideas for that one, but you can feel free to put in any time. All righty. Um, next one comes from Logan, 19 of Arizona. He writes, I may be completely off my rocker here, but I was just listening to episode 94, and you guys kept mentioning the sky. This made me immediately think of Rowena Ravenclaw's wand. According to the tarot, wand equals sky. Tarot, tarot. Tarot. Yeah. <laughs> Tarot that, cards. That's, that's horrible. Adieu, that is I always say tarot. We are wrong. Your pronunciation is a Gregius. <laughs> <laughs> According to tarot... No, tarot, tarot. Tarot. Say it T-A-R-R-O-W. Tarot. Oh, okay. According to the tarot, wand equals sky. This somehow led me to my next, more feeble theory of the different bits of the... F- symbol representing the founder's object slash horcruxes. The vertical line representing either Ravenclaw's wand or Gryffindor's sword. The circle representing Slytherin's locket and the triangle representing Hufflepuff's cup. The most feeble of all, the triangle is similar to the symbol used in the Da Vinci Code for the chalice or cup. Again, I'm probably completely off course on this one. <laughs> Thanks. I think that's really good. and That is pretty good. The Dan Brown reference is brilliant. Yeah. Because, you know, we love oh, these. I never read the books. <gasps> well, you should. You should. I love these, I know, you know, dual, dual um, sort of connection things. You know, anything. You can make a connection between anything. It's really good, though. Yes. I lo- Hence our Make the Connection segment. Yeah, exactly. Which is coming up I do up have soon. to wonder... Mm-hmm. Sorry, Greg, go on. I, I do have to wonder what, uh, what religion is going to play in the seventh book. Yeah. Because Hallows... Oh, completely, Deathly yeah. Hallows is kind of... It's a direct contradiction of words. Right. So, makes you wonder. And that that's just going to start more debate. I only thought about that because of the Da Vinci Code yeah. reference. That's kind of scary. I mean, Laura Mallory could jump all over that if, she if religion she really could. does get involved. And she gets shot down again. Why? Because yeah. she's so... Uh, she's funny. She makes my day. You know, Greg, we've tried to call her many times in the yeah. show, but no luck. It must no be... Luck. You know what, what it's like? It must be running into a brick wall... Getting knocked down, fainting, then going back and just doing the entire thing over and over again. Doing yeah, because she's been. You mean like a bird just running through the window yeah. over? It just and doesn't over learn. It doesn't over. learn. And I love comparing her to all manner of um, lesser animals because you know, <laughs> I think it's, I think it's, it's a viable like reference. Yeah, to, to, to be honest. Back to, the, to yeah. this theory though, um, I think it's also good because you know the founders of Hogwarts were a group, and whatever they turned it into, be they started off as a cohesive group. So, you know, this all one one symbol representing everything that they stood for, I think, is the kind of thing Joe w- would go in for as well. So I think that's very good. Very interesting theory. I agree. Um, all right, so we'll move along now to... Oh, Micah, you want to sure. take over? Uh, this week we're continuing the road to Deathly Hollows, taking uh, one of the questions, or actually two, that Scholastic puts out as we get closer to the release of the seventh book. And this question that we were supposed to get to last week that we didn't was, where are the Horcruxes? Yes. So we're going to spend a little bit of time discussing where the remaining Horcruxes could be located. And the first option that's given is Diagon Alley. What do you guys think? I agree. Move on. Too too (laughs) obvious. It is too obvious. <laughs> not only that, but it, it's too what about open. I was like, it's in a yeah, shop. Exactly. It's being so go and buy it. How much is that Horcrux in the window? Yeah. <laughs> well, it could be. No, but, no, but the thing is buried somewhere. <laughs> I mean, obviously, it's not for display. I mean, that's yeah. But Voldemort really took care of where he. I think he really took care of where he put his Horcruxes, so only precisely he knew where they it's, were. 
They wouldn't be something that he, someone could just stumble upon it and say, oh, that's Exactly, cool. exactly. And he likes security, you know, um, peace of mind and stuff like that. And that doesn't come from having your Horcrux, where people walk through every day, mummy, mummy, I found a Horcrux. Oh, that's nice, dear. Picks it up and well, brings it back, of, you know. Well, what's to say that you'd know that? That statement kind of limits out these other oh, ones but, that we have listed here. But these are kind of m- more secretive. And, and I mean, there's yeah. nothing about... Diagon Alley that sort of like pertains to Voldemort. It isn't an evil place. It, you know, the residents there aren't sort of with him um, completely. I mean, I can understand Nocturne Alley um, a bit more. Well, that's one thing I was going to bring up. What about Borgen and Burks? Since but we know he doesn't that he like trusting people, and that would entr- and he'd be entrusting another person and someone as oily as and thieving as and you know non-caring as Borgen. I wouldn't trust him as far as I could throw him. And that probably isn't that far. But who's to say that they would know? Like, say there's a Horcrux in Diagon Alley. We talked for a very long time on a couple episodes about uh, Ollivander's shop and the wand that was but sitting but on the cushion It would be all very window. clever. He wouldn't know no, this, It would be all very clever if that was the whole mystery. You know, Voldemort was so clever, he hid it in the one place that people wouldn't look, which is something out in the open. But that's... But that yeah. only works if it works, if that makes sense. And it would be... He wouldn't risk, you know, people thinking, oh, that guy's really clever, just on the off chance that people didn't suspect it. So, you know... And also, you know, he... The only important th- thing to him is retaining his immortality. So show, show, you know, and sort of brilliance comes second to that. And it's and you say, why couldn't he hide in Diagon Alley? It's, it's because, you know, it's a public place, so to get it he'd have to go back and people would see him there and there would be people there all the time it's a public place people could find it whereas if you bury it a thousand feet down a down a you know hole in the ground it's a private place if it's say in the middle of a field you know people won't be walking around there and um so it just seems like a foolish choice for someone who values his immortality above anything i guess that rules out uh hogsmeade then oh well because what's the difference? I think it's because... I agree, there isn't much difference, but I think it's a historic town, Hogsmeade, and it, it must hold secrets, not only magical secrets that Diagon Alley obviously does hold, but it must hold secrets in history that could potentially, you know, make make it easier for someone to hide something there if they wanted to. Because I've always thought that places with history and uh, intrigue that hold secrets, people who are more powerful than other wizards can always use that to their advantage. Because, you know, intelligence is obviously a valuable tool uh, when it comes to the magical world. So uh, a place like Hogsmeade, where, you know, there were goblin rebellions, you know, stuff like that, there must be stuff left over there that Voldemort could possibly use. Um, I'm not sure what, But though. again, what about your point of going back but there? People would walk through. Exactly, I agree. Danger. Yeah. He would, of course, yeah. So it's unlikely, I think, very unlikely. Would you ever think that maybe one could be in Gringotts? Yes, I do. But because with the goblin, we've talked about that. But the problem is the security that keeps people away from it also keeps it in and keeps Voldemort out. So you know, I'm sure they have like a lockdown system. Uh, yes, but if Voldemort, if the goblins end up being on Voldemort's side, but it's trust again. He, I don't, th- you know, if they turned, if Dumbledore offered them, you know like a height charm or something to make them bigger and this was <laughs> beyond their wildest dreams then you know and they moved away from Voldemort he would he wouldn't be able to access his uh you know part of his soul and it's so important to him trust I don't think is you know it doesn't even cut 
come into the equation, so it has to be somewhere where he doesn't need anybody else's help to get at it, or indeed to safeguard it. Would they let him into his vault, though, if he went there? I mean, say I the know. goblins are indifferent, but they know who he is. It's not like they're just say, oh, yeah, sure, you know, come, yeah, I, come open well, exactly. your vault. <laughs> well, they might do if he's like a platinum plus key holder or something like that, you know. <laughs> One more uh, Dan Brown reference. When they go to the uh, uh, depository bank of Zurich and uh, use the gold key account. Um, sorry, yep. Yeah. Went off on a tangent there. Someone, please step in. <laughs> well, I, I don't think... Didn't, didn't we have a discussion about this a few weeks ago? I feel like we did, but I wasn't on it. Or I wasn't meant to. <laughs> that, that's pretty impressive, then. We you... discussed... Uh, did we discuss it being whose vault it would be that sort of was displayed on the deluxe edition? Oh, not the deluxe edition. Oh. The, the children's edition. Yeah, UK. Yeah. But I almost see Voldemort as somebody who would make it a horcrux and then have it locked up sort of unsuspectingly to the person who it belonged to. Exactly. And he wouldn't make it something that looks like treasure. Uh, two references. Pirates of the Caribbean, when Jack Sparrow says, not all treasures silver and gold. Uh, you know, so what What most people see as treasure, Voldemort wouldn't want to, to make his horcrux that, because then, you know, everyone would think it was valuable. Second reference, Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade, when um, Indiana Jones has to pick up the Holy Grail, and the previous guy picks up the biggest jewel-encrusted trophy, uh, you know, and he cho- chooses foolishly, and he gets turned to a skeleton and dust, and Indiana Jones mm-hmm. picks up the wooden, you know, old, decrepit cup on the floor and it's the Holy Grail so it, it, it just goes to prove that what people think is are valuable you know it doesn't work the same way for everyone and Voldemort doesn't care what it is as long as it's safe you know he he has an extremely meticulous mind and he wouldn't he'd rather entrust it to a to you know I mean obviously he likes trophies the things that are are valuable to him but I don't think they're more important than the safety of his Horcrux it's like I don't know if he thought Rowena Ravenclaw's um, item was not safe. I think he'd rather use something that was safe but meant less to him. But I don't know. I could be wrong on that. What do you guys think? That's a good point. What about what about Hogwarts? He obviously feels a sentimental attachment to it. He does. And Harry said at the end of the book six that he wouldn't be going back unless he had to. So. I think that would be the perfect way to get back to Hogwarts. And not just that, but Hogwarts Hogwarts is where Tom Riddle was created was basically. Yeah. yeah, it was where he was created. He should he should have a part of his soul there. But and sorry, go on. And there's so many places he could hide a Horcrux in the castle that who knows, he another well, ch- chamber of secrets or something similar. If he made a Horcrux out of Mooning Myrtle <laughs> then <laughs> It could be in Hogwarts, and there are many passageways. He couldn't uh, grab her though. He'd like try and get her, and his hands would just go straight through it. So he'd have to. Uh, no, I'm not saying I'm not saying, I'm not saying that Mooning Myrtle is a Horcrux. I'm saying that maybe he created one off of her. Oh, I see what you mean. Thus Sorry. <laughs> create, thus, being able to hide it within Hogwarts, in maybe Hogwarts, in yeah. the Slytherin common room, or I think there are two possibilities. The thing that I'd say is sorry, go on. Uh, two possibilities in Hogwarts that I like. One is the trophy room, and the other is the room of requirement. Yes, definitely. The mm. the second one more so because um, a couple of people again have emailed in with the whole goblin made tiara that um, the Weasleys talk about at the end of Half Blood Prince about how Fleur is going to wear it at the wedding. 
and I guess it comes up a couple times during the series, and there's actually a tiara that's in the Room of Requirement when Harry goes to hide Snape's potion book. See, that's interesting. Yeah. Oh. It'd be funny if to retrieve a soul, you had to wear it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I was going to say, um, the thing about Hogwarts is that it's possibly the place on Earth that's filled with the most secrets. And right. the problem with places that hold a lot of secrets is that there's always the possibility that someone knows more of the secrets than you do. And uh, Tom Riddle, Voldemort, only ever feared Dumbledore. And considering Dumbledore's attachment to Hogwarts and how clever and powerful he is, both um, in terms of intelligence and magic, I think Tom Riddle would always have a, you know, a thing in his head that thought, well, perhaps Dumbledore knew all along what I was doing, and even if he didn't, could he access it? And, um, and you know, and, and things like that. And also, about the Room of Requirement, I think it's an awesome place to hide it, but I was just thinking about the name Room of Requirement, and this is kind of off on a tangent as well, but... Uh, if you think about the name, it isn't about what you want, it's what you're required to do. You know, room of requirement. What do you need to help you do what you're required to do? And the only type of requirement I can think of is a moral obligation, uh, because I can't think of any other reason why you'd be required to do something. So, like, Harry Harry um, created the DA, you know, to fight evil, so perhaps that's a moral obligation, but he couldn't get right. to uh, Malfoy's thing, because perhaps Malfoy had to do that to, you know, to save his... Fa- Sorry, to save his family, so... How do you explain Dumbledore needing to go to the bathroom? Well, well, I think it'll be well, pretty embarrassing if he uh, weed himself, so... And I don't think fate deals that kind of, you know, dirty hands, so um, no pun intended. That, uh, so, that's what I was just going to say. I mean, ultimately, you could spin anything to be required. No, 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 because... I think you could, and Dumbledore having, having to use the bathroom... Not if the is room is... a um, Yeah, but no, because not if the room is um, has its own mind and makes its own judgments. Well, that's the one thing. However, how could... I mean, you know, I don't, I don't want to keep going back to the example, but what was it that he, he used? Chamber pot. To pots. relief himself? A chamber pot. Chamber pot. Well, he didn't yeah. actually use that, but he went in there, and it was filled with chamber pots. But it's... <laughs> I just don't think you can use it for whatever you want. That would be ridiculous. And, like, Harry couldn't get to the place that Draco Malfoy went to. And, you know, Malfoy could could say, could his requirement could be, well, I need a room that no one can enter ever. And Harry's could be, I specifically need a room that Draco Malfoy has been into, even if he said that no one could enter it ever. So what? When you have to justify it as well? well? No, but I mean, what's more important? The room obviously has to make its own judgments, which which also means that it must judge what people require and what they don't require. So, I think, again, that's a trust issue. How could Voldemort trust it to something he doesn't know exactly how, how it works? And he'd be falling foul to his own game. He uses things with brains to trap and con people, and I don't think he'd want to be a victim of his own, uh, you know, determination and intelligence. Yeah. I've also always wondered, though, if that was Dumbledore's just way of planting the seed in Harry's head that the room existed. That's, yeah... That's also very true. Not necessarily that... Well, not necessarily that he needed the room to use for chamber pots, but that he was just making Harry aware of the fact that the room existed, and that was kind of his story behind it. Oh, okay. All right, well, moving down our list here, only with Death Eaters. I don't think they're vulnerable, aren't they? They, I I doubt it. Um, After what happened with Lucius and the diary, I doubt Voldemort would entrust a Horcrux to any other Death Eaters. Amen. Yeah, and and also again, it comes down to the trust issue. They aren't his friends, 
and but he doesn't rely on them. <laughs> well, no, he, he he doesn't though. He he keeps them. It's a you know he's a dictator basically. He keeps them there out out of fear. I'm sure most of them would want to go away. You know they're terrified when they're when they're around him. And yeah. a he he can't trust them because you know trusting people or you know it's something Voldemort doesn't do. And also they aren't his friends at all. He com- consistently makes this clear, and Dumbledore always says, you know, he liked to do everything alone. He liked to work alone. He liked to act alone. He liked to do what he was doing alone. So he wouldn't want people, you know, helping him along the path to immortality. A, because they'd know what he was doing, and B, because they were holding a fragment of his soul. Yeah. If you could split your soul, how many people in this world would you entrust it to? Because I bet the list would be exceptionally thin. It it wouldn't be it wouldn't be seven people. <laughs> it wouldn't be seven people. No. <laughs> I didn't trust Sorry, it to guys. my cat. <laughs> yeah. Here, Fluffy, hold my soul for a while. <laughs> <laughs> and donate it. Okay, then we also have Godric's Hollow, which seems to be a very popular popular choice because everyone seems to think that Harry needs to go back to Godric's Hollow to, uh, for, for some specific reason, and Godric's Hollow would be a great place, place to hide a Horcrux because, after all, that is where uh, Harry's parents well, were killed. Well, the question of that is, is if it's still a functioning town uh, town like Hogsmeade well, whether it is or not even if it's not functioning anymore and Voldemort are you talking about when he left the Horcrux well, there yeah I'm saying if it's something like Hogsmeade that our same theory would work for the, that worked for Hogsmeade would work for that but if it's a decrepit place now then it would change that quite a bit yeah that's a good point uh, Micah what do you think Godric's Hollow I don't know yeah, it seems like a, a weak place to me, and the reason why I say that is because, unless there was an accidental Horcrux that was created, a lot of, which a lot of people theorize was Harry, I don't really see a need to put a Horcrux in Godric's Hollow. I think Voldemort went there sort of as a one-time thing to kill the Potters, and having one there would really serve no purpose. Yeah, I think it's probably too convenient that Harry's going there anyway, and he's going to, what, step on a Horcrux and go, oh, wait, whoa, what's that? Yeah. Oh, it's yeah. a soul. Well, exactly, yeah. Well, say the town <laughs> is intact. Would it be in the Potter's old home? But you say it like it's just... With the Horcrux. There'll be a piece of soul, as Greg says, just floating there. He needs to... You can't make Godric's Hollow, uh, you know, a uh, Horcrux, so he'd have to obviously put an object in there, into Godric's Hollow, and I can't think of... But other than the I, Potter's I, I dying, what, what is special about that? What would be special about that before... Right, he I guess that that's my point, but yeah. does he have to plan these Horcrux makings? Because, you know, Slughorn says that, that there's a spell you use to encase the torn portion of soul into an object, you know. But do you have to use that spell immediately? So, would, so say when he made his locket, Horcrux... Did he have to have it there with him? Did he have to use the spell immediately? And then did it go straight into the locket? Or can he, like, save up his soul? And then later on, after dinner, after he's watched, you know, American Idol, he can then put it into a into his soul when he's ready for it. Or, so, sorry, it, into the object when he's ready. Or does it have to be straight away? Because if it has to be straight away, then he obviously went there prepared. I think it, it has to be straight away. We talked about this, didn't we? It has to be straight away because otherwise... Well, then... Disappears. The soul. This is random, but I'd love to see Voldemort voting for Sanjaya. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Greg. Greg, you're awesome. You're random. You're awesome. So, I don't know. Godric's Hollow just seems like, obviously, you know, Dumbledore said that he reserved Horcruxes for extremely significant deaths. So, Harry 
you know, after hearing the prophecy, Harry must have been the most significant death ever. So he obviously went there with the intention of making a Horcrux. If, as we said, you know, you have to do it straight away, then he went there um, with the intention of making a Horcrux. So if he was reserving Harry's death for a Horcrux, then James or Lily couldn't have been used to make them. So it just seems unlikely that the only Horcrux I think he could have made then, and the only possible explanation is that Harry is a Horcrux theory. Because, you know, he obviously couldn't have split his soul and then done it because yeah. the curse rebounded. So I think the only Horcrux that could possibly have come out of Godric's Hollow was Harry, if indeed he is a Horcrux. So that's why I just don't think there could be one in Godric's Hollow. We don't know anybody else either that, that lived there that he would have killed that would have been of any significance to create no. a Horcrux out of. I don't think so. But just because it's called Godric's Hollow doesn't mean that there's well, that's the big a Horcrux there. That's the sort of $900,000 question. It isn't as big as the one million one. But it's pretty big. Yeah, because we don't even know. Yeah. Is it related to Godric Gryffindor? Uh, we don't know, do we? Well, we don't. It would be a p- pretty smart assumption, but you know what happens when you assume. Yeah. It would be a smart assumption, but, you know, it, it shouldn't be... It's almost too obvious. It is, yeah. Like, Jamie, there, there's a Camden here in New Jersey. There there's is. a Camden here in England. Or there in England. <laughs> Not there, because you're actually here, but yeah, I know out mean. there in England. <laughs> but um, In the basement. So, I mean, they... Where was I going with that? I mean, they don't both have the same meaning. Precisely, You can't yeah. take it literal. There could be another Godric's Hollow, for all we know. Yeah. Is there a real Godric's Hollow? There might be. No, I, I, I don't think so. It doesn't Probably sound not. right. Mm. Um, but, it just it just seems so unlikely, it's unbelievable. Yeah. Well, moving down the list here, uh, Ministry of Magic. That's, that's I don't know about this one. That's like putting your... Uh, biggest secret and weapon inside your enemy's hands. It's ridiculous. Well, it would be like... Why would you do that? It would be that? like Saddam trying to hide out in the White House. It just doesn't make sense. <laughs> exactly. In, in yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. In the Oval Office. Uh, underneath Bush's desk. I don't know. It, it's, it is sort of different because it's not a human. It's an item that could be hidden in the Ministry of Magic. But why would you oh. do that? How could he go in and get it? You know... um, Dumbledore said that he took a huge risk going to the ministry on, on um, you know, Order of the Phoenix when they were battling there. He can't, he can't just walk into the into the ministry. You know, he's a ridiculously powerful wizard, but with sixty auras there, he won't stand a chance. You know, what if the Horcrux was the fountain of magical brethren? But that's like the wand in um, in Ollivander's. It, it would be, you know, clever if it worked out, but he wouldn't risk it being clever. And who would he have killed just, in the Ministry of Magic you know, that he would have been able to make the fountain yeah. a Horcrux? That's a good point. That's a good it point. It just seems so unlikely that you'd put your biggest, you know, weapon and secret inside your enemy's back pocket. Mm-hmm. You're right. It, it's too. It's a little too simple for J.K. Rowling. No, but, Andrew, I know exactly what you mean, but only if it's a weapon. Like, if you hide... It's like if you... If you hide a gun on Air Force One, you know, the people can find it, but then it's in the prime location for if you want to hijack it. So, But it doesn't work with a Horcrux, because, you know, a Horcrux isn't an AK-47. Right. So it doesn't work like that, but... Well, next up, Azkaban. Um, Immediately I'm starting to think, who would he have killed? Well, exactly, Azkaban. That's a good question to bring up about all of these before we even start really discussing yeah. it. Because that's a great point. And Azkaban, you know, the Dementors, who said that they, 
natural allies, Dumbledore, I think. Um, no, no, sorry, it was Voldemort, I think, in Goblet of Fire. We will recall the ban- banished giants, the Dementors, are our natural allies, or, or something like that. But that makes sense. If he could walk unaided freely into Azkaban, then it's an extremely secure place. No one can wants to go in, and only Dumbledore probably can break out easily, apart from Sirius, obviously, but he was the exception rather than the rule. So Azkaban would be a very safe place. But again, it's risky because he's he's allying himself with somebody, or right. rather a race of people, the uh, Dementors, and although they're naturally evil and will side with them... And there's, you know, there's a small setback to that also, in that Dementors like to suck souls out of things. So <laughs> exactly, his yeah. Horcrux would be in a little bit of trouble, I think. It's like a buffet. They go to like a buffet, and there are ho- souls all over. Say, so, oh, <laughs> oh, are you having some of that? Oh, yeah, yeah. That's, um, that's very nice. <laughs> Moving along, Saint Mungo's, a hospital again. Who would he kill? It, again, it's just you can't. Why would you? It's a ridiculous place to to hide it. It's filled with. It's filled with people. A, it's filled with people. Yeah. B, it's filled with healers, clever people. Yeah. See, although it's it's somehow people say it could be allied with uh, Malfoy and evil, it doesn't matter. It's still a place with people. Yeah. So, Jamie, is there one place on this with list? Mixed is there one place not on this list that you think a Horcrux could be? Yeah, somewhere that isn't a place remote, yeah. secluded, remote, secluded, a, a cave. cave. A, a cave has no significance at all, which makes it perfect. Well, it did to him, right? Yeah. I mean, that was Precisely. The whole point. Exactly. It, it had it had significance to him, and Dumbledore said, "You know, he found a chain out of nowhere in there. Obviously, secrecy hidden. You know, these words are important to Voldemort. So, right. not only was it a place that no one would, in their wildest dreams, would think of. You know, that he, that he tied one of his Horcruxes there, but it was a place where even if you went in and you weren't a very, very, very clever and intelligent person, you couldn't find it anyway. So, it's." He's not going to hide it in a hospital, or a prison, or a village, or or a bank, or something like that, where it's ridiculously vulnerable with all these people swarming around, clever wizards. And the Ministry of Magic is the most absurd thing I've ever heard. You know, yeah, if he's got a suicide wish, then he'd hide it there, but it's yeah. just... What about the orphanage? Well, that was well, kind of covered by the cave, wasn't it? Yeah, they're tied. It is, but I, I think that's... but. Going back there, you know. I yeah, I was going to say, why would he go back there? I mean, that's where it, it's a different part part of his life. Yeah, I'd say he's moved on. He's a different person. And although the cave kind of disproves that, I think it just had significance, and it was a perfect location as well. So, yeah. All right. Well, uh, if, does anyone have any other ideas? So where are they then? Or we'll move on. So where are they? <laughs> where are they? Well, one's probably in a cookie abandoned jar. coal bunker in a in the former Yugoslav Republic of Macedonia. So we're going to look for that when we do But it just podcast. makes me wonder how Harry is going to find out where these Horcruxes are if they are in such random locations. Well, he's going to have help. He's gonna, it could be something that we don't know about yet because, you know, he can't just, he, he can't just you know, do a fingerprint dusting thing in all of these places and hope something comes up. Right. You know, it's, you, can't, you can't just go looking for these things. You have to have outside knowledge of them. That Dumbledore had. Well, what about the Riddle House? He murdered his father and grandparents there, so that would be a significant. Exactly, death of some yeah, sort. and and it's a place that obviously holds secrets. You know, secrets are so important to these, to this story, the entire seven books. Right. And you know, well, in the fourth book, he didn't stay there for no reason. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it was. I mean, maybe he stayed at the Riddle ha- House in the fourth book to check up on a Horcrux or. 
Perhaps he did, yeah, Maybe. exactly. Yeah. But, you know, it isn't just anywhere that he's going to hide parts of his soul. Andrew, I ask you again, if you could split your soul and the, uh, you know, and you had to entrust it somewhat to somewhere or someone, the list of people would be very short that you'd give your soul to, wouldn't it? Yeah. And, and I, I imagine you're slightly more, well, I hope you're slightly more trusting than Voldemort, so. Yeah. You know, it's, it's, you know, these places are just stupid. Would you give me one of your horcruxes, Jamie? Oh, I'd give you anything, Aww. darling. So, moving along now, uh, we're going to do another little bit. Who would be with who? This was another question. Who cares? Oh, come on, Micah. I don't get it. What's the thing? I know. Who will be with who? This is another cl- uh, question by Scholastic. Who will be with well, who? Well, you know why I said that. You know why I said that. Well, because I don't know. Can, we, can you just... Sorry, go on. I have a rule for this part, but go ahead, Micah. Uh, well, I just don't see it as significant. I was kind of surprised to see this question. See, I think the fact that they're bringing up this question means that it's significant. Can you significant. explain what it is first? Is it Who, Who's going to be with relationships? Ah. Yeah. The fact that they're bringing the question up makes me believe that it's going to be important because why would they bring it up if it because wasn't going to be the book at all? Because people love relationships and romance and well, everyone thinks I know that. everything's been climaxing and it's going to yeah. come to the book and everyone's going to live happily ever after. I think Bill and Fleur, that's going to be a certain one. But it's like asking the question, which food store are they going to be going to in no, the book? No, it's not. Of course it's not. Andrew, Andrew that's what so if, untrue because... Okay, you know, maybe something a little we've broader. we talked about before. No, no, because... We, what color will Hermione's hair be in this book? How is that? How is it like that at all? It, Harry, Harry fighting Voldemort. It could be that his love for Ginny could, could you know, force him to do to kill him, which he couldn't do normally. It could be that because they're together, Voldemort will go after her, and in doing so, release Harry's anger. It could be because because they can't be together. Right. That, we're uh, so, that uh, yes. He but that he can beat him because he's so incensed, or because Hermione and Ron are together. Harry feels that all right, all right, he doesn't right. have such a burden to. All right, Eric. To leave back. Well, Andrew, what sort of a point is? It's like asking what color Hermione's hair is. Because I'm saying they, they they're asking because it plays a role in Book Seven. Well, obviously they wouldn't obviously. be asking. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. But I'm saying because that's why because Micah was saying, well, why why are they asking? And I'm saying because they're gonna play a role in Book Seven. Well, I think the major point. I think the reason why there's a lot of love triangles and things like that in the Harry Potter books is kind of to show that good can go on while there is a war, while there is evil. So I think it's just... a. Lo- I think that J.K. Rowling integrates it because it kind of shows um, that tr- true love can exist while bad things are going on, however corny that sounds. Of course, it's true. Yeah, I think that's absolutely true. Yeah, I think that's the re- only reason why that's really in there. And also it's to show because throughout the entire book there's been this whole thing love is you know is above magic superior to magic love can do things that even magic can't do um so it's and that was actually brought up in book uh, book six a lot when um oh what was her name well it would have been Voldemort's aunt um no it's mother actually uh seduced riddle with a potion and then it just showed that that type of thing doesn't last precisely precisely and also in uh, book six when slughorn was like you can't manufacture love this is merely lust love is a is above any other form of you know romance linked romance and that so it's obviously you know and if love is above it then obviously it it has powers and secrets that can make you do things that you couldn't normally do or cause you to act like you wouldn't normally act so like you know yeah so now let's actually ask the question: Who will be with who? And I thought 
uh, for this segment, we could talk in our Gotha voices. In our what voices? Voice. Our Gotha voices. Gotha? Gothip. Gothip. So, like, Ron and Hermione, do you think they'll be together? Like, totally. This is painful. I'm going to have to go, sorry. In, in Half Blood <laughs> Prince. <laughs> That's enough. Andrew, do you own a noose? You guys don't. You guys don't <laughs> want to talk about. You don't want to talk in your gossip voices. We can just talk in our normal voice. That's always Come on. good. Like, oh my god! Like, oh like, my god! No. Okay, fine. Party poopers. <laughs> We're just talking in our boring voices on this audio podcast. Okay, our let's voices. Do that. Let's boring? do that. Let's do that. Come on, Greg. Yours isn't, but that's because I'm awesome. <laughs> so, okay, so Ron and Hermione. I think there's a good chance of this. What's it mean by? together because like as a relationship as a couple like Harry and Ginny like how they were but it's also you know together's a very a very weird word they could be sort of they could sort of like have have the beginnings of of a relationship no 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 I'm going to I'm going to no 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 wait the question is who will be with who that's Scholastic's wording so who will be with who in the well wait did they ever give an official explanation because that could also mean who's who will be on whose side? Yeah, yeah. I, was I doubt it's that, that though. I doubt it's that. It it, yeah, like it probably is. Really, thing. they have to touch relationships because that's what sells. There's really only one flip flopper in the book that stands out, in my opinion. What? What? Well, Snape. Well, when you're talking about who will be with oh, who, it's it's right. pretty much set. You know, you, you know the answer as far yeah, as I agree, sides yeah. in the war. Yeah. Oh, I thought you meant Snape and you know who. Who will he be romantically linked to? <laughs> McGonagall. No, but that's creepy. I can see them meeting in a hallway, being S- Severus. We must stop meeting like this. Yeah. <laughs> but you know, you know that she's like that's seventy and he's thirty-five or something. Is it? That's called tadpoling, isn't it? No, it's called cradle snatching. Is it? <laughs> Didn't Joe say that some of the Hogwarts teachers have spouses and will be seeing them at some point? Yep. And we haven't, as of yet, seen them. But, alright, back to Ron and Hermione. You gotta remember this. Ron was jealous of Hermione when he was dating... When Hermione was dating, uh... What was his name? McLagan? Cormac something. Cormac McLagan. Cormac McLagan, yeah. Yeah. And then Hermione was jealous when Ron was in a relationship with Lavender. Yes. So, you know... I don't think they're jealous that, you know, they're getting to spend less time with each other unless they might be interested in a relationship. Of course they're interested, but the whole point of, you know, throughout all the books, we've seen that they don't ever agree on anything. They like each other, but they're afraid to show it. They don't, you know, know, neither of them shows their feelings. And these books aren't a fairy tale, so it isn't all going to end with everyone who likes each other getting together and living happily ever after. And, you know, especially with a war going on, it could be that... It ends where we know they want to be together, but they can't because one of them kicks the bucket or something like that, you know. Bites the dust. Yes, bites the dust, kicks yeah. the bucket, travels to the other world. Now, Her- how, about, yeah. how about Harry and Ginny? Uh, Harry wanted to well, end We've it. discussed this to death, haven't we? Have we? I we guess. have. Yeah, yeah well, yeah. you're right. We have. We have. Uh, but final conclusions, I'm going to say no. I'm going to say no as well. Harry's too, you know, proud and... Heroish and martyrish, and you know, I have to do this thing on my own, which is a trait he shares with uh, Voldemort. Interestingly, yes. Uh, Micah, Harry, and Ginny, yes or no? If he lives, yeah. Well, that would be a bit weird if she were, if she, she and him were having a relationship and he was dead. (laughs) (laughs) No, I. 
it's hard, I guess, because again, this is something that I don't really see as holding much importance in the series overall. This is more sort of this is what's going to happen at the very end of the book, as opposed to what's going to linger over the course of book seven. So I really, I yeah, I don't know. That's a fat point, definitely. Yeah. What about Draco and Pansy? Well, that is a pretty key uh, couple. Sort of it's couple. not key, but I'm going through the couples page on uh, MuggleNet.com. There's a whole list here. Um, I, but Jamie, you're you should know all about this, though. Didn't you write Why? a book about? Who falls in love in book seven? Well, but yeah. I, that's but part of the I'd title. Hate, I'd hate to spoil it by discussing it. Oh, right okay. There, so. okay. No, don't say that because we'll get people complaining. You're not talking about stuff on the show because you want us to buy the but book. I can't remember what I wrote, Andrew, so I can't talk about <laughs> it. Um, Who else? Um, Lupin and Tonks. Yeah, but yeah, I mean, it's an important, it's an important thing because you know two people are important and you can't underplay when they like each other. But it's this thing is about Harry and. I I don't see how it, even if they're together it'll affect him only only insofar as that um, it could be that if Tonks and Lupin get together amongst all their you know um, adverse situations then perhaps Harry realizes well perhaps Ginny and I can be together as well and that's well, the it only doesn't really I can say it's important it doesn't really affect him but neither does uh, Bill and Floor well no it's true yeah so I mean Tonks and Lupin I can't picture any new adult relationships building in I agree the it's too late just isn't, it's just yeah it's too late there's just not enough room sometimes I swear J.K. Rowling just throws these in to excite the uh, fan fiction writers I'm sure she does and or shippers you know shippers used to be big they're not so big anymore that whole fade well with the advent uh, of planes you know it isn't, a, it isn't as important and the whole delusional hey, thing yeah. kind of ruined everything <laughs> delusional delusional yeah I was just gonna say that's what that's what really riled everyone up with shipping, but that sort of has uh, disappeared. So if anyone has any feedback about uh, that discussion, just email it on over to uh, MuggleCast at staff.mugglenet.com, and who knows, maybe it'll make next week's listen to Rude Bottles. Jamie, uh, can you enlighten us with a British joke this week? I can, yep. Well, I was in a terrible car accident the other day. I was driving, wasn't looking what I was doing. Oh, and I, no, wait a second. You've been here. How, how, is, that, how is that possible? Well, well, this was a few weeks ago, Andrew. I've been here two oh, weeks. Oh. So it, it was just before I left. So anyway, I was in this terrible car crash, and um, I was driving along, wasn't looking where I was going. I uh, went straight up the back end of this person's car. Uh, got out. He got out, and he was a dwarf. And he said, I'm not happy. So I said, well, which one are you? Um, I don't get it. I do. The Seven Dwarfs. Seven Dwarfs, Snow White. Oh, I get it, I get it, I get it. Good one, Jamie. Good one. (laughs) Thank (laughs) you. That that was good. That was good. Okay, let's move on now to uh, Make the Connection. Uh, Make the Connection, yes. Greg, do you know about this segment? No, enlighten me. And all of our new listeners. Well, okay, yeah, to, uh, to Greg and all of our new listeners... Uh, this is a weird segment, really. It doesn't really pertain to Harry Potter, except in that uh, you use Harry Potter as one side of a two-pronged thing. And what you do is is you have to make some kind of connection between Harry Potter, the one thing, and the other thing, which could be anything, absolutely anything. Uh, I try to make it as random as, and as difficult as possible, um, just for the sake of, you know, funniness comedy, stuff like that. So, Greg, you go last to, uh, so you can get the idea of it, okay? Okay. Okay, so, Micah, you ready? Okay. 
Okay, your make the connection is between Harry Potter and Julius Caesar's body armor. <laughs> oh boy. <laughs> Where did you come up with this one? <laughs> I just make it up. Dudum. 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 We should play the Jeopardy theme. <laughs> I, was yeah, I was actually about to start singing that, yeah. Well, there's uh there's some body armor on the cover of <laughs> the UK children's edition for Deathly Hollows. And uh, it's very possible that Harry may have to wear body armor uh, at some point during the book, or that may be a horcrux and he'll have to destroy it. And Julius Caesar, well, his body armor didn't uh, end up doing him too well, did it? No, it didn't. So hopefully Harry doesn't suffer the same fate. <laughs> very good, very good. good. Okay, Andrew, um, I've gone quite easy on you, considering last uh, week's performance. Yeah, I'm still learning. Years ago. Uh, so your one is a very specific and obviously picked song, considering what we've been listening to in your car this entire oh, trip. God. So yours is between Harry Potter and the Queen song Bohemian Rhapsody. Oh my god. <laughs> Just think of the first couple of lines of the song. That well, should help you. Okay, yeah, well, first exactly, of all, yeah. yeah, absolutely. You have the beginning of the song. Oh, this is almost too easy, but I love this song. So, uh... Of course, is this the real life? Is this just fantasy? You know, sometimes Harry may be thinking, you know, is this real? Or is this, am I Am I in a fantasy, in my fantasy? Keep going. You know what I'm saying? You know, he, he, he can't get out of reality. And sometimes he just wants to open up his eyes and look up to the sky and see that he's, he's just a poor boy and he needs no sympathy. Okay, as you know, that is not a connection. Come on, come <laughs> on. Well, well, how is that? What do you mean? Connection to the song itself? You can't just go through every line and add Harry b- b- before <laughs> it. You have to actually, you know. Well, okay. Well, in the... Uh, so you could... One- so, so, sorry, can I say, for example, so you could be like, um, Bohemian Rhapsody mentions Beelzebub, the devil. Um, mm. and, and he says, what can he do for me? And you could bring that in the whole good versus evil thing whether Harry Potter you know what part religion plays in Harry Potter can you know can evil triumph uh, that kind of well, thing maybe okay well Bohemian Rhapsody uh, goes on about death a little bit and of course there's uh, death in uh, the Harry Potter novels but during uh, during the I see a little silhouette of a man part of Bohemian Rhapsody uh, the there's, <laughs> there's a part where uh, Freddie Mercury talks about poor boy that nobody loves and this sort of relates to uh, the connection Ooh, here is good, that good, Harry good, very good you know is he's still a poor boy to, poor boy today sometimes he feels very lost and alone and uh, you know I think that's how it relates the person in uh, Bohemian Rhapsody is is lost and alone and a poor boy and so is Harry good good I love this song by the way love love yes. love, love it is love, an awesome Harry. song very good okay Greg you ready okay. for yours yeah. Okay, th- this is a very specific one, and this was originally for Eric, so it's quite tough. Um, it's to do with decisions. So I want a connection between Harry Potter and the decision faced by the contestant on Deal or No Deal when they have to either stick with their original box or change to the next box, continuing the Deal or No Deal theme from two weeks ago. Thank you, by the way. You're welcome. Yeah. <laughs> I can switch it if you want. Oh, I'll try it. God, I suck at impromptu. <laughs> this is a this is a very difficult one. I won't lie. I can change it. Go ahead. Yeah. I'm okay. Aware. Okay. Okay. I want a connection between Harry Potter and rising fuel prices. Well, as you all know, wizards don't drive cars, but they fly, 
And unfortunately, the rising twig cost <laughs> <laughs> is causing a wizard recession. And, um, um, yeah. Let's start it off again. Broom costs are really expensive, and, uh. That's not excellent. <laughs> yeah, this isn't working. <laughs> yeah, that, I thought that was for, for a first attempt. I thought that, that was very, very good. Yeah. Oh, well, thank of, you. Can I give round you of one? Applause? Yes, of course you can. Okay. And, okay. Your comparison is Harry Potter and the iPod Nano. Okay, okay, well, I think we can talk about the iPod in both its sense as an object and in its small size compared to the regular iPod. So I think I'd have to first of all say that the iPod, as a as a device, has become very close to everyone's hearts. You know, it's sort of a, a sort of status symbol only a, only among the people who own them. So they're like, you, you know, you have an iPod, you feel, you feel you feel special. Everyone wants an iPod, just like Harry Potter has become to its fans, a very, very, very special thing. I I won't lie, I judge people on whether they read Harry Potter. Do you read Harry Potter? No, I don't. Well, I'm sorry, I don't like you. You know, that kind of thing. So I think Harry Potter has, just like the iPod, climbed gracefully into the ranks of very personal, personal, you know, merit. I think uh, on an emotional level for Harry Potter, but more on a sort of technical level for the, the iPod, you keep it very close to you. Everyone likes to listen to music nowadays yeah yes it used to be everyone liked to read but now with harry potter everyone likes to uh read again so you keep it close to you you never know when you might want to uh open the book and read a few chapters just like you never know when you might want to turn your ipod on and listen to lucy in the sky with diamonds good point very good song by the way um secondly uh the ipod's diminutive size can be compared to harry potter in in a size sense you know the books are very small you can take them with you uh and also how the iPod has grown. The first bit book was very, very small. However many pages it was, 150 pages, 200 pages, and Something it's like that. and it's grown bigger. Uh, yeah. The iPod has grown as well, both in terms of popularity and in size, and in hard disk space as well. So it's it's a three way. Uh, it's a three way conversion. Great connection. Okay, I think I'm out now. I think I'm exhausted. Good work. By the way, by the way, can I ask? Do do people like this segment? Because I haven't had. Much feedback on it at all. So, uh, well, well, they got to hear me bumbling around email for a while. So. S- sorry, they got to hear me bumbling around for a while. So <laughs> should be fun. <laughs> um, if you have any thoughts or comments on this segment, please email me. Or if you have any connections, make them as wacky as possible. Email Jamie at staff.mugglenet.com. Excellent. Uh, we're going to wrap things up today with a chicken soup. Actually, two chicken soups for the Mugglecast souls. Andrew, we should we should make a special one: a Chick Fil A for the Mugglecast soul. Chick Fil A for the mug. Yeah. Uh, the first one comes from Angela Shire, 14, of Edmonds, Washington. She writes, After a long day at school, I was eager to get home, but on the bus, as I was looking through my bag, I noticed that I had left my house key at home, and my phone was dead. In result, I was stuck outside for three hours waiting for somebody else to come home and let me in. Without an iPod full of MuggleCast episodes to listen to, I don't know how I would have gotten through those three hours. So... Angela, we're glad to hear uh, we saved you from your silly mistake. It goes to show that we're cool, but we're no substitute for a qualified lock, Smith. <laughs> True that. This next email comes from Joel Twenty of Zealand, Missouri. 
Hey MuggleCasters, I'm a college student in between my freshman and sophomore years at Grand Valley State University. Last summer I got a summer job working at a factory, a job I have this summer as well. I started listening to MuggleCast on my iPod going through each episode and really came to enjoy listening to you guys. I wasn't able to listen to you during the school year, but the upside is I had another year's I had another year's worth of MuggleCast to go through. I started back at episode 1. Wow, amazing how far you've come since then. And let me pause for a second to say, we really have come far. I was listening to like episode one or two earlier. It's insane, uh, yeah. This week. Yeah, it's crazy. And and worked my way through them all. I finished them all last week Thursday, which omened a bad day, which it was. I kept missing messing up at things and was really feeling down. I pushed myself pretty hard to be seen as a good worker, so to keep myself making mistakes really brought my morale down. At lunchtime, I thought about listening to some depressing music to fuel my <laughs> equally depressing mood, but I remembered all the chicken soups about how you uplifted people listening to them and thought I'd finally test it out for myself. Sure enough, after ten minutes, I was feeling much better about myself and my job and was laughing at what you guys were saying, particularly the Pickle Pack bonus segments where <laughs> with Eric going off about the movies and Jamie's pleading with Laura to go to bed. So a big thank you to all of you for what you do, not just as Harry Potter fans, but as just entertaining people in general. Keep up the good work. Thank you, Joel. That's very kind. Thank you, Joel. That is very kind. That is very nice. So uh, on that note, we're going to end the show and uh, upset people who are using the show as a chicken soup right now. Uh, we want to ri- remind everyone about our contact information. Jamie, if people want to call us, say they want to use their cell phone. Oh, uh, one two one eight twenty magic. That's Am the I United right? States. Yes. Do you remember United Kingdom? Um, o two o eight one two hundred. No, I don't know. No. Zero two zero eight one double four zero six double seven. Then in Australia, you could dial zero two eight double three five double six eight. Laura, what's the uh, PO box? Hey oh, guys, the PO. <laughs> You good, you good. <laughs> Should I do it in that voice? Yes. Uh, let me find it first. Where is it? PO Box 315. What, the voice? <laughs> no, PO, no. Box, PO Box 3150. Uh, hold on. Yeah, okay. Laura, what's the PO Box? Uh, the PO Box is PO <laughs> Box 3151, Cumming, Georgia, 30028. Thank you, Laura. You can also Skype the username MuggleCast on Skype to leave us a message. Just remember to keep it about a minute long and take out as much background noise nice. as you... Possibly very can. good, Andrew. But I think it's more and eliminate as much background noise as possible. As possible. <laughs> so <laughs> you can also use the handy feedback form located on MuggleCast.com. Just click on Contact at the top for all the contact information and use that handy feedback form. Or contact any one of us. Our first name is staff.mugglenet.com. Greg, do you have a MuggleNet email address? Or I don't believe so. Where can people contact you then? Uh, you can use the feedback form on exhalerstudios.com, which oh. is relax backwards studios.com. <laughs> Perfect. Uh, you want to start Web Design Palace. Sorry. That's it. I should also Jamie. mention that MuggleCast viewers, listeners, Ooh, get a 15% discount. Awesome. So when you put in MC Muggle into the form. McMuggle. McMuggle. <laughs> Muggle you have to be Scottish together. Muggle. Yes. That's excellent. Yes. Uh, yeah, Greg, you are a great web designer. I mean, we, oh. you've done, you did the pickle pack website for us. You're you're very good. Well, don't come off as arrogant. Uh, people won't buy you. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> I, I'm I'm, I'm, I'm okay. Greg, Greg's very good. Greg's very good. <laughs> <laughs> you can also uh, use any of our community outlets to get in touch with fellow MuggleCast fans or to get in touch with us. Just use uh, we have uh, the MySpace, MySpace.com/slash MuggleCast fans. We also have the Facebook group. 
You can visit our YouTube group, our Frapper group, our Last FM group, or you can visit MuggleCastFan.net for the fan listing and forums. Basically, you can also dig the show sorry. at yeah. dig.com, vote for us once a month at Podcast Alley, and rate review us on Yahoo Podcasts. Basically, there's no way you can't contact us. Yeah, it's you, it's, just, it's... you just sit there and you send us messages, just moving. There's no... <laughs> it is pretty easy. That does it for us today. Once again, I'm Andrew Sims. I'm Jamie Lawrence. I'm Micah Tannenbaum. And I'm Greg Porter. We'll see everyone next week for episode 97. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Bye. Chicken. Chicken. Sorry. But. Okay. Chicken butt. What were you going to say, Dan? Okay. Um, I, no, pack. I was just going to... Poultry pack, Andrew. That's going to be the the good one. No, I was... <laughs> oh, you can always do the uh, hot dog pack for tailgating. I know, I just... <laughs> pack. That's just like pickle pack, though. Yes, it is, it is exactly the same form factor. Um, Would you give me one of your horcruxes, Jamie? Oh, I give you anything, Aww. darling. Okay, so that's cute, huh, Greg? That's oh, cute. <laughs> yeah, we're gonna make out after the show. Oh yeah, yeah. But you know, you know that she's like that's seventy and he's thirty-five or something. Is it? That's called tadpoling, isn't it? No, it's called cradle snatching. <laughs> Is it? <laughs> I think an older man. Creepy. Well, it was like a movie or something. It's called know. Rod Stewart. <laughs> Hey. <laughs> <laughs> Today's show is brought to you by Audible.com, the leading provider in spoken word entertainment. Audible has over 35,000 titles to choose from to be downloaded and played back anywhere, just like MuggleCast. Log on to Audible.com slash MuggleCast to get a free audiobook download of your choice when you sign up today. Again, go to Audible.com slash MuggleCast for your free audiobook.